Welcome to the Wildcast Podcast, coming to you from Wildcast Studios with your hosts, Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher. Welcome back to Wildcast Studios for the QMJHL Playoff Preview episode of the Wildcast Podcast. Your unofficial voice for all things Moncton Wildcats, as always, fanisters. I am your host, Adam, and of course, I am joined by your favorite co-hoster, Mr. Jeremy Boucher. Dude, we got some big news this Thursday night, but I just want to ask, are you excited for steak night? Steak night. Thursday steak night. Thursday steak night. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, may the fourth be with you. Uh, yes. May the fourth be with you as well. Thank you very Nerd. much. Nerd. Uh, never seen a single. I've seen one episode of Star, Star Wars. You're going to take some heat for that one. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, yeah. I've only seen one and I didn't enjoy it. But anyways. Come uh, for the cats. Stay for the steak. <laughs> yeah. You'll find out in a minute. Uh, let's get into this quick. we got a massive episode. Uh, Big Brother Canada. You know, Marty went home last week. Yeah. Um, Boo. Boo. Is uh, is my guy still there? Yeah, Kevin's still around. Yes. Uh, the finale, I believe, is Thursday night. This So literally tomorrow. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so Josh is HOH. So you're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. However, I do think he will be the next one out. Yep. Uh, Josh is HOH. Josh is, has the POV. Uh, and so I think he's, uh, I think this is Tevin, Kevin's time to go. Yeah, so that'll leave a final three of uh, Betty, Helena, and Josh. And uh, my opinion, there couldn't be three more undeserving <laughs> uh, final three in the history of Big Brother Canada. Really? So okay. my interest in the show has completely gone down the drain. Uh, so I probably won't even watch the finale. Well, you got to watch to find out. If, well, I guess I can just. Look it up online. If Kevin's if I, still in, I'll watch yeah. uh, just so we can just so I see if I win. Brag. <laughs> uh, well, let's be honest. I don't get to brag a lot on this podcast. True, uh, true. So. But yeah, if he's if Kevin somehow survives the next eviction, I'll I'll keep an eye out. But uh, I don't I don't see it happening. I think he's the next one out there. They'd be stupid not to. He's the villain. He's yeah. this. He's the villain of the season. Uh, he's he's calling so many shots that. Um, he he deserves it. He's the only one des- deserving of 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 the win, and so it's gonna suck if he goes home because you know fi- those final three they haven't done much all season. To catch up on Mass Singer, uh, kind of ish, kind of. I know Christy Alley was Chris, uh, yeah. was on Mass. He's Baby Mammoth. Baby Mammoth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's it. That's all I all I know. So I don't know if you've watched a lot of it, but the Queen Cobra, it seems to be like four. Or five of them. Okay. Like, there was one last week, I guess. There was two this week. Uh, one of the clues, like, they keep calling her Queen Cobra and Queen Cobra and the Queens and all this stuff. And, you know, they're they're a soulful singer. Like, they're, there's that style. Mm-hmm. Um, so my off-the-board kind of guess, and the only one that I come up with uh, was from the show um, Queens. So I don't know if you watched any of it. Layla started watching it. Um, it's a musical drama. Uh, it's got Eve in it. It's got Brandy. Um, I don't think the other two are really singers, um, but I'm just going to throw it out there because when I missed episode one um, of all the stuff uh, of this new group and then you're trying to catch up, you're just you're lost because you got no idea on on clues like that, uh, clues that you missed. So I'm going to go with the the crew or the cast of Queens which is uh, Eve and Brandy and then a couple other ones. And those are those are the two that are featured because I think it was – Jenny, who had uh, maybe it was Brandy and Monica. Yes, uh, I saw that one. Yeah. yeah, so that was kind of that's kind of where I went with that uh, space bunny. I got uh, no real idea. I believe um, 
I just the those will be unmasked, but that that's the I'm gonna go with the Queen's uh cast. Okay. Fair enough. So um all right. Well, yeah, like I said, jam packed show. We got an interview with uh, Nick Merrick of the Portland Winterhawks uh for the Western Conference. Sorry, the Eastern Conference and then uh Gee Flaming of the Oil Kings for the Western Conference preview in the WHL. Don't forget as always you can follow on Twitter Monkton Wildcast, Instagram Wildcast Podcast. You're gonna wanna follow that this week. Uh and TikTok as well. All right, man, we got, uh, I mean, there's news, teams qualified, QMJHL team of the week. Let's just get into the weekly rewind and into the QMJHL playoff preview. Weekly rewind. So the Wildcats finish up the season with uh, two shootouts and a loss uh, against the Sea Dogs. Uh, yeah, two shootouts and a loss to the Sea Dogs. They finished 28-36-3 for 65 points. They clinched seventh, uh, like we had talked about, which uh, gives us a series against the Islanders. Not much really to recap. I mean, the Halifax game, they should have won. Um, they played well enough in the St. John game and in the um, the Islanders game to get points. That shootout was unreal. 19 rounds, a QMJHL record. Yeah, and it's the record was like 16 or 17, 17. so we still beat it by two rounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was honestly, I was just... I didn't even watch that Charlottetown game. I was, um, I think I was probably watching the Blue Jays because obviously they take a prior priority these days. But uh, I just keep saying, I was like, shouldn't the game be over? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, turn, okay, I'll turn it on. I'll shoot out. Okay, okay, shoot out makes sense. I'm like, well, what's taking so friggin' long? <laughs> and I, and I, so I decided to turn it on. It's like round fifteen, round fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, I was like, okay, I'll watch the I'll watch the rest of this, and you kind of had a sense that once it the kind of players reset and someone like Simono got to shoot again, yeah, you kind of you kind of had a sense it wasn't going to go our yeah. way. Uh, I would have liked. I think the Wildcats just didn't take enough chances in that shootout. Um, too many shots from you know ten feet out. Not enough, uh, not letting the goalie yeah. move around. There should have been more, more deeks. So you know, Someone like uh, a Jackson Bellamy goes in there and, and pulls off like a, was it Merrick Malik of the of the Rangers where he goes between the legs and top yeah. shelf like <laughs> yeah. 18 yeah. years ago or something yeah. like that. Something like that would have, would have, uh, you know, brought the crowd to its feet. I don't know if the Wildcats were playing for the win once they got so deep in the shootout. They just, it, it just seemed like they were just, Lackadaisical, just taking the you know the typical wrist shot, making it too easy for um, Lapina, Lapena, 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 or Lapina as the uh, <laughs> Islanders always always tweet. Um, they they just made it too easy on. Yeah, you could you could tell the guys that uh, practice shootout stuff and like do it well, and you know, the guys that are practice shootouts just because it's the end of practice and they just want to give. It. I was I really actually thought Bellamy was going to walk in and wire a slap shot. Um, as hard as he could um, to uh, to see if he scored. But, yeah, everyone kind of just kept trying to go to Lapena's glove side, which is blocker for most goaltenders. It wasn't – I mean, it was good to have OJ back. OJ was back in that game. That was a big part of that. I did miss that you weren't the Twitter guy for that game. I'll tell you that much. Trying to tweet a 19-round shoot oh my over, God. And over and over and over. I was just like, how does he do this? Like, oh, man, this is – yeah, this I, is not I don't. Fun. And then I realized like halfway through, I was like, I should have had one tweet and then just replied to the bottom of it because if fans are watching it, just to see our tweets go over and over and over again. But um, yeah, I mean, it was good to see OJ back. Hopefully, we get some more people back. Uh, so let's get into our playoff preview. We got all uh, eight series to go through. 
Uh, you want to start in the west or the east? Let's go west. Let's go west. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, that would be Sherbrooke and Baycomo. Baycomo ends up going on a bit of a run there to uh, to get into the playoffs, uh, getting the tiebreaker over Victoriaville. So they go from champion to out of the playoffs, which in junior hockey it happens because there's there's cycles. But um, and their reward is they get Sherbrooke in round one. And I don't think this is going to be a long series. I have it in three for Sherbrooke. Yeah, I also have <laughs> the, the Phoenix in three games. Yep. Um, easy. Yeah, uh, that's an easy one. Yep. Um, Gatineau and Valdor. Again, I mean, I think in the Western Conference, these are going to be quick series. But uh, I, I think Gatineau is just, just too strong for Valdor. I think it's in three again. Uh, I'll, I'll give Valdor one in okay. this series because uh, they've played they've played Gatineau pretty well this year. Um, so I'll, but I'll go Gatineau in, in four. All right. And, uh, Schwinnigan and Rurandaranda. I think this one might be, uh, this will be my first non-sweep that we're going through predictions. I'll give Rurandaranda one. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones at home. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, three, one is the series in, in four games. It's weird to talk about five game series, which again, to preface it, all these series are going to be five games, uh, until the finals, which then will be around, uh, around, uh, a best of seven. Um, so, yeah, Schwinnigan, I got uh, 3-1 in that series. I'm with you on that one. Uh, Ruan gets one, and just like Spider-Man, everybody gets one. <laughs> you're so, you're so polite. Spider-Man, everybody you're gets so one. polite. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Schwinnigan in, in four. And Drummondville and the Armada. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, this is one of the three best series that are, are um, out there. I think this one goes – Four. I'll go three one. I'll give the. Oh, uh, this one's one. going the distance. You think so? Yeah, this one's going the distance. Uh, and I'm gonna go with. Uh, uh, I'm gonna go with Drummondville on this one. Uh, Drummondville in five. And I took Drummondville in four. And now we get into the uh, the old Eastern Conference, the conference we know and uh, love. Uh, so let's go with the eight one matchup: Quebec, Shakutami, uh, Quebec in three. Yeah, I Big. mean, obvious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty easy. I'm, not, I'm like, yeah, do I give Shakutami one? No, I'll give uh, I'll give Quebec in three. We'll skip our series till the end there. Uh, and these two next series, I think, are the two best series that are going to be in the playoffs. Um, Ramuski and St. John. Uh, I got this one going the distance, but I got St. John outlasting in five. Ooh, wow. The yeah. distance. Yeah, all five. The distance. I'm going. This is a sweep for me. Yeah. Yeah. This is a St. John sweep. Uh, oof. You're giving Ramuski two games. I think there's going to be paranoia setting in in St. John if that one goes the distance. Yeah. There will be paranoia setting in. But the thing is, if you look back, um, the Memorial Cup hosts in the queue have always struggled in round one. Did you say three or, f- or four? I said three for St. John. Yeah. If, if memory serves me correct, when Halifax hosted in 2019, they went seven. Was the first round was seven, right? Yeah, because uh, us is the seven seven seed, and uh, Quebec is the eight seed. We both just about upset. Yeah. We upset, but the uh, the Ramparts almost upset. They went seven games in that. Yes. Series. Okay. Yeah. That's and it's before that. It was who is the host in the queue before that? Schwinnigan. Was it Schwinnigan? It would have been 2019. No, we would have had it in 2006 or 15. I forget who hosted it last, but 
just memory serves me correct that anytime the Q the Q team always struggles in the first round. So maybe you're right on this one, but I I, I think St. John's just way too tough and it'll be a a sea dog sweep. Well, and you know, they're what do they got? 15 wins in a row mm-hmm. uh, for St. John. So my thing is, is the reason I'm going five is if Ramuski can get one, you know, how does St. John, they haven't lost in what, almost a month now. Yeah. So if they get one on the road uh, or, you know, maybe that, Set, not sets in panic, but maybe things get a little tighter and, and Ramuski can squeak out another one. So, yeah. Well, we'll see. It's possible. Uh, but like I said a couple of weeks ago that Ramuski was just playing over their heads. Yeah. Uh, and I think we'll see that in the first round here. St. John in three. Uh, and then uh, other than our series, this is the one that I'm most excited to watch. Uh, Bathurst and Halifax. I don't know. This is the toughest one for me. This one, I think I'm going five in this one. Yeah. Um, I think it's going five. I just I haven't figured out who I, who is going to win in five. So you're right. This is really tough because honestly, Halifax has nothing to play for. Yeah. Um, if they are eliminated in round one, Cam Russell looks like a, an idiot for not trading Dinoyer. Yeah. If they move on and they upset Bathurst, he looks like a genius. Right. So it's it's there's so many factors in this in this series that uh um i i think bathurst will, will i think bathurst comes out of this one in five mm-hmm. but it's gonna be a very long series there's gonna be a lot of overtimes uh and you remember this playoffs right it's, it's continuous ot till someone scores uh, i think i think three of these five games will go in overtime yeah um Quebec, uh, yeah. So going back to your uh, the Q hosts struggling, uh, twenty fifteen Quebec hosted, mm-hmm. and they got past Cape Breton in Game Seven. Yeah. So, in so that's game. that's what I thought, right? Game Seven, and then Shawinigan, they were eliminated in like the first or second round in, in twenty twelve, because uh, they they went on to win the Memorial Cup. Yeah. Uh, so twenty twelve, they were out in the first or second round. One of the two. So they got past uh, Ren Rand in the first four nothing, and then they lost to Shakutami in round two. Yeah, and then Ramuski in two thousand nine. Uh, just since we're gonna go back to some history, just to see how that works out. Ramuski four nothing, and then so Ramuski kind of went uh, all the way and lost in the final there. Yeah. So, oh wait, no, two thousand nine. Yeah, Ramuski lost to Drummondville in round three. So. Um, where was I? Oh yeah. The problem with Bathurst is uh, they haven't had their their full roster for a couple weeks now, which is a good thing because they're able to rest up. But how do they look coming back? Um, like you said, Halifax has nothing to play for. Um, and when teams are this, I mean, we've seen what Larue and Denoyer can do in a, in a playoff series. This is Bathurst's first time in a playoff series, but they got guys that have done that have gone to the playoffs. Um, man, I think who'd you take, Halifax? I took Bathurst, yeah. Uh, but like I said, I had to, it's five game series. I think three of these games go to overtime, so it, it could be anyone's series. Uh, it's um, you know, they if they somehow pull off the upset. Cam Russell looks like a genius. Yeah, I think 
I think I'm going to go with Halifax in five as well. And uh, I just, I feel like the way that Dume is playing and, you know, LaRue and Denoyer and, you know, Brady James can steal games and that's what you want from your goaltenders in the playoffs. So, yeah, I've got Halifax in five as well. And it, like, as you can hear, folks, I waffled back and forth and back and forth because I just, I had no idea. Um, So now we get into ours, Charlottetown versus Moncton. Um, Charlottetown took the season series four, two, one, and one. Um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna hear Gee talk about it. You want playoff rivalries um, when you're a division opponent, and I is this the first time we've played Charlottetown in the playoffs that you can remember? Because um, it feels like it's I, the first time. I'm having flashbacks of. 2006 when I was in college in Charlottetown I am pretty sure we faced the then PEI Rocket in either the first or second round because I remember there was like a David like I just remember going to these games and being oh, like so drunk uh, it was, yeah, it's, it's 2006. It was either first or second round against, against Charlottetown or PEI rocket. No, oh, yes. no, they, no, PEI rocket got eliminated by Bathurst in round one. Okay. My bad. So you could have been obliterated and thought it was Moncton, but it was actually Bathurst. I'll was check it, 07. Was it 07? No. Nope. Cause 07 was the game seven loss against Halifax yeah. and double over T. I mean, if we were more prepared, we would have found out if this was the first series again. No, okay, maybe I don't know. But yeah, um, it, it feels like it is. I can't. I can't remember. I, no, we. That's not. Uh, we're not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to go check. through. No, fact check ourselves. Not. Somebody, somebody will fact check that for us. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, these teams know each other. They they've played each other pre deadline, post deadline. So we've seen. Charlottetown at their best. It's not like we, you know, played seven of the eight games in the first half. Uh, we've played seven of the eight. It feels like in the second half when they were loaded up. But um, you know, I think OJ coming back makes a little bit of a difference. Uh, Labelle should be healthy. We don't know about Darcy yet. Um, I believe Lemieux is going to get the games. He's going to be the goalie of of choice. Um, I still think you got to get Philly on one of these. Yeah, I, I would think so. I hope so. Um, man, I don't. I, I don't think Moncton gets out of this series. No, yeah. but for uh, me, I'm giving them one game. Yeah, uh, just because of how well they've played Charlottetown recently. Yeah, um, so I will give them one game, uh, and if they get that one game, they're going to steal one on the road. That's yeah. That's what I. I wasn't sure if they were going to get like if they were going to get one at home or one on the road. I think if they do get one, it'll be the Thursday night game, the game one. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of, I mean, anytime you're loaded up, there's a lot of pressure on that home yeah, team absolutely. in game yeah. one, and especially all these series, um, the five games. You lose one, and all of a sudden things tighten right up. At least mm-hmm. with game, at least with seven game series, you're able to uh, to lose one early and 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 be able to rebuild. But I think Moncton, I yeah, I think they get game one. I, I hope they get game one and uh, put a little bit of pressure on, and then yeah, I think it's it's three one Charlottetown. They're just they're just too good yeah. to lose three times in in five efforts. But it's a series that it, whether it's three game sweep or it's four game series, 
Charlottetown's going to know they played a series. It's going to be a physical series, and if it's anything like the last game, uh, it's going to be a very physical, physical series. So it, I'm excited for the playoffs and and actually have playoffs. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, um, you know, a few years ago when when it was Moncton against uh, against Ramuski, and that series went the distance. I mean. Nobody picked Moncton. I think we were the only ones who did. I believe so, yeah. Um, so we look like, you know, we look like geniuses. And the following year, again, no one picked Moncton to beat Bay Como, and we were the only ones who did. Yeah. Right? So this is... So everyone's wondering why we haven't picked him yet? It, it, so you, if you if you honest to God, like when we picked Moncton over Ramuski, it was honestly because we thought Moncton would beat Ramuski. Yeah. When we, we, when we, play, we when he, you know, said Moncton would, would upset Bay Como... Yeah. We actually thought Moncton would upset Baycomo. This series is a completely different scenario here where um, it's the, the matchup just doesn't work out in our favor. St. John's, uh, sorry, St. Charlottetown's just too deep. Uh, and, you know, by, by this time next week, you know, Monc- Moncton's probably got their tea times at Fox Creek. So <laughs> um, I drew, did you see the little rhyme in that that I just did? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. By this time next week, Munkins at Fox Creek. The multi-talented. Uh, <laughs> so that would give uh, that would give Quebec and Halifax, and the Islanders and St. John in round two. Oh, <laughs> that is a that is a tough <laughs> series. Uh, oh man, I'm gonna get more excited for round two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that would give uh, Sherbrooke, Drummondville, Gatineau, Shawinigan. So road trip to St. John. Uh-huh. We'll see if our friend Chris Dobson, biggest Isles fan or St. John fan, can right. tickets to that one. Yeah, tre- um, the Irving Oil Trevor Jersey Suite. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just playoff hockey, and it's yeah. it's just going to be it's a different level. Uh, but again, we honestly thought Ramuski we could beat them if you shut down Lafreniere. We honestly thought on the back of uh, a pretty veteran team we could beat Baycomo. Mm-hmm. Um, I it pains the fans to be like, yeah, we could get this, but if you're just an honest fan. Charlottetown is just too good. They got four lines, and they can. You want to play? You want to try and beat them with skill? Great, they'll beat you with it. You want to try and turn it into a muddy, mucky, dirty game? Great, they can do that with four lines. It's just Jim Holton's got this team running, and uh, you know I picked them in the second half when we talked about the three teams at the top. I, I don't see how Charlottetown does not represent the Q in uh, in the Memorial Cup. Yeah, nothing against Jim Holton, but if if Moncton has an the slightest advantage in the series, it's mm-hmm. behind the bench. Yeah, uh, I, I think Dan Lacroix, just with with his NHL experience, is you know he's you know you've you've got Kalmakov who who won the Presidents Cup last year. You've got uh, Lemieux who is in the Presidents Cup final last year. So you've got that experience. Um, and if there's any if there's any players who need to step up more than they already have, it's those two. And if there's any players who you know need to be the ones giving the pep talk, it's those two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if know, we're getting a game, Jonathan Lemieux stealing a game with a sixty save type. Oh, uh, type game, right? Like that's it's, it's going to be a twenty. He's going to lose twenty pounds in, yeah. in a game, and he's going to make sixty saves and steal it. And that's yeah. the only way the Wildcats come out of this series without being swept. And it's it's going to be because of him. And that's that's that. Yep. I'll give you three keys to this series quickly before I move on. Don't take penalties. Don't take penalties, and if you get a power play, don't drop back when you're trying to get the puck in the zone. Just get the puck in the zone and make things happen. But the first two, don't take penalties. You have to be you have to be disciplined against Charlottetown. All right, so like I said, we're we're excited for the playoffs. Now we're excited for everyone's favorite part of the show. Eric Murray, realtor, buy your house from him. Stick tap of the week, featuring 
Adam Lund. What? Uh, yeah, so I uh, stick tap of the week this week. Um, Layla launched her 2022 Comfort Box campaign uh, at the Moncton Hospital today. Last year, they raised $8,000. Money was used to purchase enough stock for 100 boxes, uh, of which 40 boxes have been given to the hospital since, 20, since September 2021. This year, they're raising 25 uh, money raised will help replenish the stock for those boxes, add new items to help families navigating through the loss of a child. Um, so her foundation is doing great things on Instagram, Facebook, uh, the Moncton Hospital. Basically, when when you donate to this, if, if you can, uh, these boxes, they, they get a teddy bear. Um, they get a book, Navigating the Loss for Parents. If there's a sibling involved, they can add on uh, for a sibling book. Um, it's just no one talks about this because no one wants to be in this club. Uh, and unfortunately, we had to be in this in this club, as I call it. And, uh, you know, no one is as talked about this. And it, it's a tough subject. So she started this campaign. She she raised 8000 last year. She's looking for $2,500. Uh, you can find Big Hearts, Little Stars on Facebook, Instagram uh, to see the work they do. Follow the campaign and donate if you're able to. The Stick Tap of the Week, sponsored by Eric Murray Real Estate with the Remax Avante team. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the greater Moncton or surrounding area, make sure to check him out on social media or give him a call at 506-863-8802. All right, so that brings us to the Rosemary Lynn Massage Wildcats Wildcat of the Week. Rosemary Lynn is doing a promo right now. Book a 60-minute massage in the month of May and get an extra 15 minutes. So... That's uh, that's a pretty good idea. Everybody loves free. Um, you can phone Angelina or Nicole at 506-830-1224 or follow on Instagram, rosemary underscore Lynn underscore massage. And that is brought to you by Jeremy. Hey! <laughs> yeah, we're doing, a little, we're doing like a flip-flop yeah. this week. Uh, so, yes, the uh, the Wildcast Wildcats yep. of the week uh, are go- going out to our 320-year-olds, uh, Jonathan Lemieux, Jackson Bellamy and Brooklyn Kalmakov. Uh, the, these three have uh, come as advertised uh, since being acquired by the Wildcats. Uh, you know, Jonathan, you didn't exactly get off to a great start with uh, with St. John, but has come in, it has come to Moncton, and you know, has he's she's you know stolen a couple games. He's played really well. Uh, I, I I've had absolutely no nothing to say. Uh, you know, nothing bad against his play. He's he's been rock solid uh, back there in nets. Um, Jackson Bellamy, you know, he, he's second second tour of duty in Moncton. Finally got his his uh, a goal. Uh, he's been uh, he's been you know pretty good back there on the on the back end. Uh, veteran presence and you know finally Brooklyn Kalmakov. What can you say? I mean, seventy two points and thirty four goals. Uh, you know, when the when the trade went down in October, fans were saying. Why do we trade a, a third round pick for for a twenty year old? Well, you you can tell me right <laughs> now. He's pretty damn well yeah. worth that third yeah. round pick. So uh, that was an excellent acquisition by Richie. Um, it's going to be you know a couple of three big losses going into next year. Uh, we'll have to find a way to to uh, recuperate those uh, those points and those uh, those saves in net. But uh, yeah, that'll that'll do it for the uh, the wild cast wild cats of the week uh, to our three 20-year-olds, uh, Jackson Bellamy, Jonathan Mew, and Brooklyn Kalmikov. View from the other bench. 
All right, we're back for another view from the bench, uh, but this time we're going way out to the other bench. Uh, we're going to the West Coast. Uh, we got a couple WHL guys giving us a lay of the land in the WHL playoffs. Uh, he is the voice of the Portland Winterhawks, Nick Merrick. Uh, thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. How's, uh, how's life on the West Coast right now? Adam, Jeremy, appreciate it. Life in the West Coast is uh, great. Best coast now for a reason, right? You're playing Western <laughs> Hockey League playoff hockey. Uh, it's terrific to be into May and, and having to focus on this. We have a home game on Mother's Day. So uh, finally, the fact that the schedule, for at least the Winterhawks' perspective, got figured out makes this time that much more exciting. Uh, but now it's just kind of gear up for round two, and, and you hope for the best for all these teams because in the Western Hockey League now, you're down to the final eight. So soon to be in, you know two weeks away from the, from the Western Conference, Eastern Conference finals, and it's pretty much everyone's for the taking. Yeah, before we get into uh, before we get into the playoffs and the, the lay of the land and, and the major upset last night, uh, I reached out to you on Twitter to, to put this interview together. So I got to get your thoughts. What was it like calling a video game? I know it's, it was a while back, but you were calling play by play for the CHL. Just what was it like trying to do play by play for a video game where you're kind of watching computer and, and guys playing with a controller? You know, it's actually pretty funny bringing that up. Literally earlier today, we just had to do something similar to. Uh, the, the team was back on Twitch, and we had Gabe Clausen and, and Kyle Chazowski playing uh, a head-to-head game of NHL. So I guess it'll stick with me, but uh, <laughs> it's pretty different. Um, I have been a gamer, though, for pretty much for as long as I can remember since I was growing up. So I, I was always introduced with the, you know, the different sports franchises, the video games, and always enjoyed playing NHL and, and MLB. And uh, back when they had it, all the NCAA uh you know, avenues of football and the NCAA March Madness yep. on the old PlayStation 2. So uh, it was kind of funny when, when that there, there's some weird synergy there where uh, it just kind of worked out and, and they asked obviously to do it. And I was kind of happy to try something new and see what it would be like. And it was cool because, you know, it was the fact that you didn't have a co- you don't have a season because of COVID. So you're able to at least get 60 guys from the CHL together, even though it's an online platform you get a chance to reconnect. There were some conversations on zoom before the, you know, before the games aired and kind of nice to be able to check in with everyone. And uh, it was just such a weird time of uh, really of, of our lives yeah. uh, just a few years back, but it was a cool experience. And I guess I could say I'm thankful there's no more E tournaments. So we could actually maybe <laughs> enjoy the real Memorial cup for the first time in a while. Uh, but it was a very neat, neat uh, event. And Hey, if we ever want to do that again, then I'd be uh, probably more than happy to help out. What they should do is have a, like uh chl podcast ea sports uh tournament i think adam and i would make complete fools out of ourselves <laughs> yeah because uh, we're not much uh <laughs> not much of the gamers to be honest but um i think that would be uh if, if you have some pull around the chl there uh, nick maybe you can uh lay that down as a as a suggestion <laughs> jeremy it's funny you say that i had a couple of buddies that we always play like, some online ranked games and uh, I was kind of the same way. Like I, I was decent, but never, you know, never that top echelon. But it's funny because you, you get to see even kind of through that tournament. There's some pretty good gamers out there, so th- there might be some opportunity down the road to uh, actually make that happen. Absolutely, I'd love to do it. Uh, let's kind of get into some hockey talk here. Uh, obviously, you know, last night uh, the big the big upset. I think it was the biggest upset in uh, I think WHL history, if I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Vancouver Giants taking it was. Out, uh, yeah, that's. Crazy, crazy. Um, just, I guess, your overall reaction to that. I mean, was this more, did Vancouver earn this, or was this more just Everett couldn't keep up with all the, the bodies out of the lineup? Yeah, sorry, I cut you off there. Uh, it, it was one of the biggest uh, 
upsets in the WHL playoff history. The fact that an eight seed's never beat a one seed before, which I found a little bit baffling. Uh, we've had plenty of seven versus two upsets. The winter Hawks have even been a part of those upsets. Um, but honestly, it's just kind of a situation of there's a really good top line in Vancouver. And from everything I, I was able to see against Vancouver, albeit, you know, it's four cases of it with the winter Hawks and giants playing live. The giants are a great team and they have a terrific head coach. Um, you know, so it's, it's, you just need a couple of lines, you need a couple of players to get hot to be able to steal a series. And that's kind of exactly what we saw in that first round of the playoffs against Everett, Adam Hall, Zacho stop Chuck and, um, and Fabian Lysel, they were firing on all cylinders. That's a couple of NHL guys driving the line. Alex Cotton was a player who was, you know, at, at hindsight when they still had Justin sort of a bigger deal, they added him from Lethbridge as they assigned or a, a prospect of the uh, Detroit Red Wings and going to be a key piece for their blue line. I think he has 13 points in six games as a defenseman, um, you know, cause he came and they, they needed that offensive mind, the defenseman to help some of those younger guys help develop and, and put them more in a role to succeed while you could bring in a veteran leadership in that 20 year old position who could, you know, play that more offensive game that's needed. Um, so, so I think it was kind of a, a balance of that, but, Watching some of the games, I got a chance to watch game five and game six completely live all the way through just because the Winterhawks had the luxury of, of getting a sweep. And Vancouver really dominated good chunks of those games. I thought they were terrific on the rush. They, they were really fast on the wings. Uh, and they got some really great scoring chance. But, of course, you look at Jesper Weichmann, and that was one of the Winterhawks' Achilles heel a little bit during the regular season. The Hawks coming in as the, as the three overall seed in the Western Conference, technically they were one point away from – being that number one seed, so literally, a, you know, an overtime point away. Um, and they only got one win on the year against Vancouver. So, Vikman played well in a couple of games against the Winterhawks. We got to see him, you know, live a few times. And I'm, I'm definitely I, surprised wouldn't be the right word because I'm not surprised because the pieces are there. And I think when, he, when I looked at all four matchups and potential series there in the first round of the WHL Western Conference series, is uh, Vancouver probably give the hardest push, even though they – technically were classified because of the tiebreaker rules as the eight seed. Uh, they're probably one of, the, one of the more dangerous quote unquote underdog seeds going into the playoffs. And then obviously when you take it in six games against Everett, you kind of help prove that case. Yeah. So we're talking here with Nick Merrick, uh, voice of the Portland winter Hawks. So when uh, you talk about the first round series, before we get into your matchup with Seattle, um, you guys acquired Taylor Gauthier from Prince George. I don't know how many times in you know your history there in Portland or the WHL where you acquire a player and then you end up playing uh, against him in the playoffs, especially goaltending and such a, a goalie that's been so good for Prince George on kind of rebuilding teams. Um, just you know what what was he what has he brought to Portland and um, you know I know he had a couple uh, there was a couple articles on him first playoff game and it's in uh, against Prince George. Just talk about Taylor Goche and what he's brought to to Portland and and that first round series. It was pretty much the storybook of all first-round <laughs> matchups you could ever dream up for yeah. Taylor Gauthier and for both these two clubs. Because, honestly, it was a situation where the Winterhawks wanted to shore up their goaltending depth. And uh, knowing that Dante Genutti would be able to be that guy, but also recognizing that the team in front of them, they had a really good window to be able to go for it now. So wanted to provide him some immediate help right away, which is where the Gauthier trade came in. And obviously then Goche emerged as the number one, just being the veteran and, and helping take over some games down the stretch, earned an NHL contract and um, just a terrific, terrific first playoff experience against his former team. It's kind of funny because I think Prince George uh, kind of ended up coining the term that he, uh, you know, the opposing team got goaded uh, when Goche kind of stood on his head and, and 
had a marvelous performance of, you know, 40-plus saves when he was back with Prince George. And that was kind of what happened for the Cougars. They got a taste of that. They, they kind of got goaded in round one. Uh, you know, four-game sweep against the Winter Hawks, and Taylor Goetz only allowing four goals in four games. Like, you, you don't see that in, in any hockey series anymore. So the way that this team defensively is clicking and the way Gochi was clicking in that first round is definitely one of the huge storylines going into round two against Seattle, who definitely had more offensive showcase in their first round matchup against Kelowna. Uh, but then also in that same regard, it's funny because I was looking at it and I was talking with Andy Kemper and he's a longtime broadcaster of the winter Hawks, both play by play and color commentator and has always been helping for years and years and years with uh, just like the team history and the statistician and, and updating all the record books and helping me with some you know nuggets to use during on air. And one of the things I saw he tweeted uh, during one of those Everett Vancouver games, since we were just talking about that is, there were 17 goals scored in that one game alone. It was like an 11-6 win that Vancouver got. The Winterhawks and, and Prince George Cougars did not score that many goals in their entire series as there was in one game. So it, it, it just kind of putting that words out there, it showcases how dominant Taylor Gauthier really was. And he, he, was, he wore his emotions on his sleeve. He knew exactly kind of what it would do to him uh, mentally and, and physically playing against his team that he calls home and he still calls home. Of course, you know, Calgary is going to be his home base. And, and Portland's a good stop right now. It could probably develop into a nice location for him. But no matter what, it's only a, you know, let's call it a four-month, five-month stint with the Winterhawks here in Portland. And then he's on to his professional career. So Prince George is his second home. And he's always said that not it's not him knocking Portland at all. It just kind of showcased how much love he has for that community, that fan base. And then when you get that situation where you get a 20-year-old goalie who entered the league as a 15-year-old, played over 160 games with one club, but never got postseason experience. Now you're playing against them in the first round. I mean, what, what more of a storyline could you want? Right. So uh, to see him kind of succeed at that big stage was very impressive. And I know the coaching staff and the team's very proud of him. And I'm sure it's something that now he's been able to reflect at least this past week while we await round two. Uh, I, I hope for Taylor's sake too, that it really sinks in of how cool of a moment that was for him. Yeah, looking ahead to to round two, uh, I guess you could say it's a rivalry series against mm-hmm. uh, against Seattle. Obviously, two teams that uh, that uh, are pretty familiar with each other. Uh, where do you where do you see this one going? Obviously, as a you know, you, you have to favor your own your own team. But uh, what what do you like about the uh, your Winter Hawks, your Winterhawks chances against uh, against Seattle? It's it's going to be a very interesting series. Uh, it, right now, before we talk on game one, it, it's hard to say which way this series is going to go. I think it's going to be dictated very early um, and kind of the tempo of it. Of course, if you're Portland, the fact that the schedule because of building availability had to be juggled around a little bit. It ends up being a one, two, one, 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 one series, which is very unconventional. Um, but if you're Portland, technically as a higher seed, you're going to play game one on the road and then games two and three at home. If you can steal the game one victory in Seattle, That'll do a lot for the team's confidence, especially knowing that you kind of had to gut it out against the series with Prince George where they played physical and they played a, you know, a heavy checking game. And that's exactly what Seattle is going to bring because guess what? The Winterhawks and T-Birds, they got to see each other for 13 straight times, or not straight, but 13 of the 68 games were head-to-head against one another. So there's a lot of familiarity. It's easy if you want to look at the regular season record books. The Winterhawks, down the stretch, they did have Seattle's number. But it's playoff time, so you kind of throw those out, which is tough because as a media member and, and you know a, a broadcaster for the Winterhawks and in the WHL, you always look at those numbers and you have to bring them up for context. But as much as I just said that, you kind of just 
take the paper figuratively in, in the air right in front of your face and shred it into 500 pieces <laughs> and put it, you know, put it in the garbage can because yeah. it doesn't matter anymore. Seattle's four and one in the playoffs and the Winterhawks are four and oh in the playoffs. They haven't made, you know, they haven't faced each other yet. Uh, and there's, there's, I think there's going to be a few X factors in this series. I feel like Lucas Fakovsky for Seattle is going to be a big one um, in terms of he had a long run with Vancouver when he was a member of the Giants uh, right before COVID happened. He got to go to the WHL finals. So he kind of knows what it mentally and physically takes to get there where nobody on the Winterhawks has even been into the second round um, you know, until right now. Uh, so I think that's kind of an X factor. I think goaltending is going to be obviously another big storyline with Gauthier and if he can continue his success and how Thomas Milich is going to do on the other side after he had a terrific series as well. Um, and it's going to be fun because it's going to be really good hockey. I, I know I saw some scouts, um, you know, some Western scouts kind of posting and saying this Portland-Seattle series maybe end up being the best playoff series in the Western Conference, period, like regardless of the WHO finals. And I do think there's some truth to that just from the standpoint of for those tuning in from out east, um, or at least in the eastern side of the WHL, the Portland-Seattle rivalry is very much is equivalent to the Edmonton-Calgary rivalry. It's huge here. Teams travel very well. The fan bases travel extremely well, especially in playoff time for one another, and it's the quickest commute for you know either fan base. I guess outside of Everett for Seattle, uh, but for Portland fans, it's, it's the easiest to get to Seattle. It's very easy for Seattle to come down I-5 and visit Portland. So I'm sure you're going to get some visiting jerseys in the arenas too, which is going to create some, uh, you know, fun atmosphere and, and a good environment to be around. And I think the the neat part is now the players are just kind of excited for this experience, and they know what it's like in the regular season, but nobody's known what it's like to play Portland and Seattle in the playoffs, myself included. So it's going to be a brand new experience here in round two, and and uh, you know you just got to take every day for for what it's worth and try to survive and and see if you can get out four straight wins. Yeah, and hopefully you can get. To- you know, get to the uh, get to the finals and and you know make your way way out east. So, uh, Nick, we want to thank you for uh, for joining us today. Um, we're gonna have Gee Flaming on from the Oil Kings. So, uh, if it's a Portland Edmonton final, what uh, what smack talk do you got a couple rounds early? Because I'm gonna ask him the no, same no, thing. No smack coming. No smack coming for me, guys. I, but I would uh, I would tell Gee if he ever tunes into this one right afterwards, or if he's on the line, that I'm just looking forward to seeing him. If that's the case, because that means. You know, you're the best team in the East versus the best team in the West, and that's the spot you want to be in. But it would be very cool, especially from the history between those franchises in the last decade. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of an anomaly schedule, but we've dealt with anomalies for the past two, three years, so uh, it's almost like we're used to it. But again, Nick, thanks for joining us, and uh, we appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. All right, now we go from the uh, the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference because they didn't cross over at all uh, during the season, and we're Pleased to be joined by the voice of the Oil Kings who get ready to take on the Red Deer Rebels in another Battle of Alberta-type series in round two. Uh, we were on his show as a guest, and now he's kind enough to join us on ours, Guy Flaming of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Guy, uh, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic, fellas. How about for you? Uh, I'm I'm tired. I'm, I'm yeah, tired. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> Yeah. All right. As the uh, as the resident uh, Oiler fan, I am I am tired from being up. Uh, those eleven those eleven uh, p.m. starts are going to kill me. But uh, I digress on them. Uh, just yeah. talk about the the first round uh, sweep of Lethbridge. Uh, usually, when the Alberta teams get going, um, a four game sweep it doesn't feel like a four game sweep. Just talk about that Edmonton Lethbridge series. Yeah, it was pretty good. I, I think the Oil Kings went into that one expected to be the favorite and that it wouldn't be a long series and it turned out 
a, a long series. But uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes are not an easy out for for any club. They they got some talented players, and their goaltender Brian Thompson, who's undrafted uh, but uh, eligible still. Uh, he's a big guy, and he played terrific for Lethbridge in that series. So even though it was a sweep, it didn't feel like that, uh, but it was over pretty quickly. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry, I'll have to edit that part out. Um, so, I mean, this team, uh, I mean, you you guys loaded up at the, the deadline. You're, you're trying to make a run here to uh, out east to St. John. I mean, getting Caden Gooley, uh, you know, Casa. I mean, it's basically an, a an NHL, like almost an AHL franchise. Hmm. Just talk about the the impact that uh, Caden Gooley's had since he was acquired at the deadline. Well, he's pretty terrific. I, I mean, there's a pretty good argument to be made that he's the best defenseman in the Western Hockey League and one of, if not the best defenseman in the Canadian Hockey League. So uh, he has been uh, well worth the the, the pickup. Uh, the general manager in Edmonton, his name is Kurt Hill. He's, he's done a terrific job over the last two or three seasons. And, and quite honestly, the Oil Kings have been a contender for three years. We just haven't had a playoff uh, to speak of uh, in that time span. So, uh, I mean, this is a team that's, uh, that's deep, uh, deepest, probably, well, definitely the deepest team since 2014 when they won the Memorial cup in, in London, Ontario. And uh, it might even be better than that team. Uh, this is uh, an absolutely loaded lineup. I mean, they've got five members uh, on this roster who play for Team Canada at the World Junior Championships. So when you've got 25% of Team Canada's World Junior team on your one club team, um, yeah, you're pretty deep. Plus, they've got another guy in the academic who played in the in the World Junior for Slovakia as well. So, uh, yes, it's a it's a very very deep team, and and there are three 20 year olds. They're all guys who are you know in the top six and, and contributing big points this year. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's there really is no hole on the All Kings. Um, but that's not to say that it's a, an easy path for them to get to the WHL title because there's a lot of good teams out here. Yeah, I mean, once I mean, Red Deer is no slouch getting past uh, to Brandon, especially travel series. So you kind of avoid that. Um, I know Red Deer's pretty good team. Uh, Winnipeg, Moose Jaw. I mean, just talk about the second round in general um, in terms of who uh, of the other three teams um, could kind of get into that uh, Western Conference final against Edmonton. Well, Winnipeg is the the top team. They're the number one seed. They they finished in first place in the Western Hockey League, so you have to pretty much start with them. Uh, I think the difference between Winnipeg and Edmonton, uh, they are both very very talented. I think the difference, though, and it works in Edmonton's favor, is that Edmonton's an older team and, and a more experienced team. Uh, now, because we haven't had playoffs, playoff experience is at an absolute premium right now. There aren't that many players in the league who actually have. Uh, felt what the the playoffs are like the old kings have about 115 man games of playoff experience going into the the postseason now everybody on the roster has got four games but um winnipeg is a very talented team but they're a younger team uh, they definitely do have some veteran leadership guys like connor mcclennan who is a, a philadelphia flyers draft pick and, and carson lambos who's drafted by uh, minnesota they've got some notable players but they're a higher end talent for the most part is younger. I'm thinking of guys uh, like like Connor Geeky and Matthew Savoy, the guys who will be drafted very high this year. So on paper, I would suggest that next year is Winnipeg's year. But they are good enough that uh, you know they earned that number one seed this year, so you definitely can't look past them. Um, now you go with the Moose Jaw Warriors, who Winnipeg is playing in the second round, and I would say Moose Jaw and Winnipeg next year are going to be 
battling it out right from the start of the season uh, to see who will have that that upper hand because uh, the Moose Jaw Warriors are they've emerged as a very very good team. They actually rolled through Edmonton. I want to say about uh, two months ago and laid an absolute beating on the Oil Kings, which caught everybody by surprise. But uh, they did it with uh, great tenacity and a puck movement and uh, hard on the forecheck. And they've got some talented players as well. They're missing one, though, right now. Damon Hunt, defenseman drafted by the Minnesota Wild. Uh, he's been hurt. Uh, rumor has it he might be able to come back in the series in, in round two against Winnipeg if it goes more than three or four games, which obviously it has to go more than three. But uh, if it goes, it gets into a five, six, seven game series, he might come back. Uh, but, you know, I, I mentioned Matthew Savoy and Connor Geeky. Moustra's got some guys too. Denton Matejcik, defenseman who is fantastic, might be the first defenseman taken uh, out of the Western Hockey League this year, and there are some other good ones. But uh, he, Jagger Furkus, who is a fantastic, was uh, stood out at the CHL top prospect game, and then you got a guy who's going to be a very high pick in the 2023 draft in Braden Jaeger. Uh, Jaeger, excuse me, Braden Jaeger, uh, also a very very good talented player. So um, they, they are deep. I would suggest. The question mark with, with Moose Jaw would be their goaltending. Uh, they don't have an all-world goaltender, although so far Carl Tadichuk has been good enough uh, for them. Um, so those are the other two teams. You want me to get right into win- into uh, the Red Deer Rebels now as well? Sure. All right. <laughs> well, the, the Red Deer Rebels are – I've been looking forward to this, uh, this potential series all season long because these two teams are – Geographically speaking, Red Deer and Edmonton about an hour and 20 minutes apart. Yep. It's the closest team for the Oil Kings. So uh, we're going to have a, a series where fans can go from one city to the next and fill the opposition building. Uh, so they've never really had a, a series. between. I think they've only met once in the past. And it was a year when Red Deer had the likes of Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Matthew Dumba. And the Oil Kings were just kind of starting to climb the hill towards the years when they were contenders. So they've never met when both teams were at the top of their cycle or near the top of the cycle. And, and uh, you know, it, it, you could look at the Rebels the Rebels this year. They, they were really good against the Oil Kings. It's, it, every game they've played has been highly entertaining. Uh, th- that is a very difficult team to play against. They've got size. They've got speed. And they will uh, play very physical. And if you're going to beat the Oil Kings, that's how you have to play. Um, so the, the Rebels... Uh, are going to be a handful for the Oil Kings. It's going to be a terrific series. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes six or seven games and that there's two or three that go to overtime. It's going to be a great series. Yeah, I will say, uh, for people listening out here, they'll understand this, but Red Deer reminds me of uh, the Charlottetown Islanders and the fact that when the Islanders come to town, no matter how skilled the other team is, you know what kind of game you're going to get, and it's going to be a tough, physical, grinded-out game. And with the Rebels and uh, a Sutter-led team, it's kind of the same type of uh, culture that he's built uh, up yeah. in Red Deer. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And, and I, I mean, the, the last name Sutter kind of, you automatically think of blue collar workmanship. And yep. But there's there's skill here with this club as well. I mean, they, they had the top two leading scorers in the WHL this year, uh, an older player named Arshdeep Baines, who was signed as a free agent uh, right near the end of the season. He's signed by the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, Ben King, who has gone undrafted the last two years, there is no chance that he is not getting uh, taken in the uh, in the 2022 NHL draft. Uh, those two guys are, are well worth the price of admission 
just by themselves. But uh, as I mentioned, they've got they've got some size and uh, they've got a, a defenseman named Jackson Vandalese who they picked up from the Calgary Hitmen at the trade deadline. He's six seven and two hundred and forty pounds. Wow! Uh, and they also have a guy named Matteo Fabrizi who's only seventeen years old. He's six five and two hundred and forty three pounds. <laughs> um, so there's a there's a lot of beef on the back end for uh, the the Red Deer Rebels. Guy like Kyle Masters, drafted by the Minnesota Wild, uh, and their captain Jaden Grube, who's a, a big body as well, six foot three and two hundred pound uh, centerman, uh, scored the overtime winner against the Brandon Weekings in the the opening round. So they've def- definitely got a lot of talent on that team as well. So uh, it's it's going to be a an entertaining series, and uh, it's one I've personally been looking forward to a lot because there's nothing that benefits a rival rivalry than playoffs right and i mean you guys have seen that where you are with uh, some of your closer rivals uh when once you get into a, a heated playoff series man that carries over for the next few seasons uh so really looking forward to that here yeah i gotta ask about uh, the luxury the oil kings have of of sharing the same arena as uh, as the oilers uh what's what's the playoff atmosphere been like uh from a fan standpoint knowing that, you know, both teams are uh, in the playoffs right now? Yeah, so far, well, here, here's the thing. A regular season game for the Edmonton Oil Kings, they might have seven or 8,000 people, which is, you know, it would be tops in the, in the Canadian Hockey League. But you're playing in a 20,000-seat building. So the atmosphere is bad because it's, there's, it's too big of a building for junior hockey. Uh, when you get to the playoffs, and we saw it, you know, in 2012 and 2013 and 2014, when the Oil Kings got to three consecutive WHL finals, the, Oil, the Edmonton Oilers were done by then. And, you know, they replaced the Oiler logo at Sunrise with the Oil King logo, and it becomes a, uh, a Western Hockey League town. Uh, right now, it's an Edmonton Oiler town, so the, the attendance isn't great. Uh, I think uh, for the two home games in the first round, one was a Thursday night. There was like 3,500 people. Uh, then it was a Saturday night, and I think there was up to seven or 8,000, and, and that was a lot better. Uh, but now with the Oilers in the into the playoffs, I'm curious what the second round of attendance is going to be like. We've got uh, Red Deer here on uh, Thursday and Saturday, so Thursday night's traditionally not that great uh, for attendance uh, at home in the CHL, the midweek games. Uh, but Saturday should be a lot better. But, you know, we see 10,000 people or something like that on Saturday? Probably not, but... Man, I wish there would be because uh, it's it's going to be some of the best hockey that the building has seen this year. Yeah, and just uh, earlier on the show, we had uh, Nick Merrick on, uh, voice of the Portland Winter Talks, uh, Winter Winter Hawks, Winter Talks. Winter, actually, Winter Talks. not a, not a bad name <laughs> for a, a podcast uh, name for Portland a Winter podcast Talks, name. Yeah. That, that's right. That, that, that's uh, good. Right off the tongue, right? Um, yeah, he was. Uh, we asked him about uh, some some smack talk. Uh, if you guys happened to meet in the uh, final, he wouldn't. Uh, he didn't come up with anything. He wanted to uh, keep it classy. Anything you want to uh, throw down on your end? Oh, uh, unfortunately, Nick's such a great, great guy. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's nothing bad to say about him. He's, he's been on my show a few times, and um, you know, it would be terrific if uh, if Edmonton and Portland did meet in the final once again. I, I was fortunate enough. Uh, usually, the color guy doesn't get to travel on the road uh, for the, uh, the 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 games in the playoffs especially when it's that great of a distance between Portland, Oregon and Edmonton, Alberta. It's, you know, it's a, it's a plane ride, but uh, I was able to go in 2014 and it was the first time I'd been to that city in that market. It's what a beautiful city, Um, lots of character and the atmosphere was great uh, where they're playing. I think they, they have a pretty uh, limited uh, fan base, but enough to fill the building. 
So, I mean, if there's 20,000 hockey fans in Portland, Oregon, they're all going to Portland Winterhawk games. And, man, it's a, it's a great, passionate crowd uh, and a good building as well. And so, yeah, I, I would have no problem if it was Edmonton and Portland again. That would be really exciting. There'd be 20 other teams in the Western Hockey League that would be like, not again, because uh, those two franchises have, uh, have dominated the, uh, the last decade in the Western Hockey League. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, Guy, one last one for me. I, I know this is a bit of an anomaly season. You guys didn't cross over. That's why we had uh, a guest from the yeah. East and a guest from the West. Do you see this catching on, or is this just a one-time thing? Because, I mean, you're privileged to see a guy like Connor Bedard more often yeah. than not. But, I mean, obviously the teams in the in the Eastern Conference, they want the Connor Bedard ticket revenue that for that one game on, on the road trips there which I don't even know if Portland or uh, Regina would be in the United Sw- States swing next year. So they might lose on, on him potentially his whole WHL career. But do you think you, you see something like this or maybe a little, not so much unbalanced schedule, but maybe less travel uh, west to east? I, I believe the plan is to go back to normal. And for your audience, if they don't know what the normal means, uh, the, the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, they will cross over, but it's 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 not, you know, play a home-and-home each season. So like Edmonton does not go to Portland and Portland does not come to Edmonton in the same season. Yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll switch off one year. The U S division will come here the following year. We'll go. Uh, I say we, the old Kings will <laughs> go to the U S division. Um, which that will be next year. I don't know what the plan is, but you're right. Connor Bedard is a big, big draw. The, the fans in BC, the fans in the States want to see Connor Bedard before he's done in the Western hockey league. And we know that's going to be, next year and then he's gone yeah so will he be going to bc or to the u.s i don't know but it was much the same when we had guys like uh uh matt barzell playing with the seattle thunderbirds he was only coming to alberta uh well like once or maximum twice during his whl career and when he actually came to our neck of the woods he was injured so we didn't get to see matt barzell (laughs) as a member of the the seattle thunderbirds so from that perspective yeah it sucks and part of me thinks you know what maybe the whl is just too big and, and it's so expensive the travel out here is is crazy mm-hmm. especially i mean just there's some big road trips in the queue as well the ohl's got it easy yeah but you know sometimes i think maybe we just need to split the whl in half and, and create a fourth chl league maybe it's just the pacific hockey league and start going southwards to, towards northern california and the the western hockey league would be alberta saskatchewan manitoba and there used to be teams in in Montana and, and places like that. So part of me could, part of me actually thinks that would is the way that the Canadian Hockey League should go. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, traditionally, I mean, that would mean we don't get to see teams like Portland or Seattle or Cologne or Vancouver coming to Alberta, and, and that would suck. But if you're only going to do it every second year where you get to see those teams anyway, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe it, you know all these teams have been just taking it on the chin or taking it in the wallet the yeah. last couple of years because of COVID maybe as a cost saving, maybe you got to keep the, the conferences separate for a, a two or three more years. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh yeah, the OHL, we, they, they just have it too easy, but yeah, you talk about those road trips from, I mean, at least Brandon has uh, a friend out in Winnipeg now where they can, you know, play a That's few right. games, but you know, that, that road trip from Brandon to, to Kelowna or whatever, or even the Prince George games. I mean, that Portland Prince George first series. Yep. I mean, that was that was a bit of travel. It, it is a big league, and people just don't understand how far, um, like, it, you know, moving out here, 
an hour and a half, I'm in a, a different province, an hour and a half there, you're in Edmonton and you're in Red Deer. That's it. And you yep. still got to keep going to Calgary and Lethbridge is four more hours or four hours from Edmonton, five hours. So yeah, I, I totally understand it. You know, it does suck when you can only see a team or a certain type of player or every second year or whatever like that. But, um, yep. but yeah, Guy, thanks for joining us on, uh, on the show. We appreciate, uh, the, the hockey insight, uh, with you. So, um, I mean, good luck in the second round and hopefully, uh, Hopefully it's an entertaining uh, entertaining series, and, and good luck moving forward. Well, thanks for the invite to come back on. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. All right, that's uh, that's going to do it for this show. But before we get out of here, guys, we are pleased. We're doing it again. Uh, we're doing a viewing party. We had so much fun doing it, uh, what, three years ago uh, for the Game 7. We thought, why not just kick this thing off? Uh, so we're doing a one Game 1 Wildcast viewing party Thursday night. Uh, so tomorrow night at 7 p.m. at the Igloo Beverage Room on Elmwood Drive. Uh, it's going to be a little bit bigger this year. Uh, we got a few prizes to give away during the intermissions. The game's at 7. Uh, there's no reserve seating, but they do have a certain amount uh, of seats for us. So you're going to want to get there early. Just as uh, last year, we had to turn people away just because of the venue size. So hopefully we don't have to turn anyone away. But again, tomorrow night, 7 p.m., the Igloo Beverage Room. Uh, we are doing the game one of the Wildcast Wildcat. Oh, nope, wrong one. Wildcast Viewing Party uh, at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks to Dick Merrick of the Winterhawks and Guy Flaming of the Orkins. you say Dick Merrick? No, Nick Merrick. I thought you said Dick Merrick. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Once again, thanks to – I mean, I'll go back and listen to that, but I don't think I did. Nick Merrick of the Winterhawks, Guy Fleming of the Oil Kings for joining us, giving us a little bit of a lay of the land of the WHL as they get into round two. And we finally get into round one of the QMJHL playoffs. That's it for us. Thanks for all your support. See you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wildcast Podcast. Follow us on social media at Moncton Wildcast.